the book of Job. All of Job's friends were older brothers who assumed because they still had their family and their wealth that they were better people than Job. Jonah. Jonah's a classic older brother, right? He was only concerned about his people. He doesn't want to give grace to the people of Nineveh, of Assyria. He only wants to see them judged for not doing their duty. I wonder, do you identify with any of these older brothers? Or maybe let's try this. You might be an older brother if. You might be an older brother if you believe that God owes you a good life because of all the good things that you've done for him. You might be an older brother if you believe that the success you've had in life is mainly attributable to your hard work and discipline. You might be an older brother if you think that all poor people are lazy and don't deserve help. Or if you think that having better theology than other people makes you a better person than them. You might be an older brother if, if you can't think of anything to pray about during the confession of sin. Or you can't find yourself able to forgive someone who's offended you. You might be an older brother if you have to be right whenever you argue with your spouse. Or if your kids only get your approval when they get good grades or do well in sports. You might be an older brother if, if you don't want the kids with bad reputations to come to church because what would the neighbors think? Finally, you might be an older brother if you forget that you were once the prodigal son himself. Now here's a question you might have wondered about. If you've, if you've read this story or even if you were just following along. and The question is, what happens next? Right? Because this story has a really abrupt ending, doesn't it? There's a, there's a party going on. The older brother hears about it from the field. He comes in. And he's told, oh, your dad's thrown a party. And he's like, what? And the, and the dad comes out and says, come on in. He's like, I don't want to come in. Where's my party? Dad says, come on. Your brother's alive. And then it just ends, right? What, what happens? Does, does, does he go into the party? Does the family go back to normal? Do the brothers reconcile? Well, the answer is that the older brother kills the father. Like, what? Where's that? Is that in Luke 16? Or no. But remember, remember who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the ultimate older brothers, right? So proud of their ability to keep not only God's law, but all these other laws that they had added to God's law. Always looking down their nose at those who are unable to keep the law as well as them. Right? And these are the same Pharisees that never made peace with Jesus, the Son of God. 
In fact, they're the ones who accuse him. They get him arrested and put to death. I think Jesus is trying to tell them and us through the power of this story that they are in danger of loving their own righteousness so much that they're writing God out of their lives. Right? He's trying to warn them of a reality that, that they would have never imagined for all the world, that they, they're in grave danger of living their lives apart from God. I like the way Sinclair Ferguson puts this. He says, religious people, like the Pharisees, are always profoundly disturbed when they discover that they are not and never have been true Christians. Does all of their religion count for nothing? Those hours in church, hours spent doing good things, hours involved in religious activity, do they count for nothing in the presence of God? Do they not enable me to say, look at what I've done, don't I deserve heaven? Sadly, Ferguson says, thinking that I deserve heaven is a sure sign to have no understanding of the gospel. And so the, the million-dollar question for those of us who've, who can dare to, to imagine that we might be an older brother, we might be building our lives and our joy and our significance apart from God, is how do we keep from remaining or being older brothers? Well, I think there's some practical things. The first is to realize that all of life is grace. All of life. Everything you have, your family, your gifts, your abilities, your health, the good things that have happened to you, they're all gifts from a loving Heavenly Father. The book of James says every good and perfect gift comes down from above. You didn't earn them by yourself. You didn't deserve them on your own. It's, it's all a gift. So give thanks for it. And then, number two, realize that you are not better than anyone else. Right? And you can't look down on anyone else. The Bible, the Bible shows us this radical equality for all of humanity in two things, two very important things, both our problem and our cure, right? What is, what is our problem? Our problem is that we are sinners in desperate need of salvation, in desperate need of grace, and our cure, and, that, and we all are that, and our cure is all the same, that we need Jesus. We need to be saved by his life, death, and resurrection. And the moment that you start to say, well, I, I'm not as bad as those people, right? I'm not, I'm not I don't, is the same moment you start to say, I don't need Jesus as much as those people. And you don't want to say that. That is not true. I love the way that C.S. Lewis puts it. He says, I'm, I'm not Hitler or Stalin, but it's not for a lack of talent. There is a radical equality in every person. And so realize you're not better than anyone else. And then, 
At the end of the day, you need to learn to love the Father, love his grace, and then learn how to love like he did. Did you read that quote from the, uh, from the preparation for worship? It's Charles Spurgeon says, Believer, you are happy when God blesses you, but not as happy as God is. You are glad when you are pardoned, but he who pardons you is more glad. The prodigal son come back to his home, was very happy to see his father, but not as delighted as his father was to see him. The father's heart was more full of joy because his heart was larger than his sons. I mean, look again at the overwhelming grace of the father. When the older brother throws the pity party, repudiates his father's kindness, how does the father respond? He doesn't yell at his older son. He doesn't belittle him for, for being so immature, right? He reminds them of their relationship. He reminds them of his love for him and of what's important. Your son was, your brother was dead and now he's alive. See, this is Jesus pleading with his worst enemies. See, Jesus loves not only wild rebels, but also hardened Pharisees. But he loves them enough that he doesn't want them to stay in their prison of performance acceptance religion. I do this and I earn my way. No, he wants them to see his love and grace. He wants them to feel loved, maybe for the first time. And he loved them so much that he even died for them. Can you imagine a church full of people who are aware and consistently aware of God's grace to them? This would be a joyful church, a welcoming church, where where non-religious people would feel like They were actually wanted there. Where they might get some hint of that love that Charles Spurgeon talks about. You may be happy to be here, but not as happy as God is that you're here. Be a church where we could be ourselves, where we could find joy in the midst of our struggles. Find company in the midst of our sin. The world and the church are full of older brothers. Maybe we've been one as we we learn how to move out of that, to to love like the fathers. Let's show these older brothers grace. But let's do one more thing, too. Let's not let these older brothers keep us from enjoying the party. right? Because the kingdom of heaven is a feast. It is only entered into by grace. Will you come in? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you loved us when we were lost in our sin, when we were rebels against your holy kingdom. You came and laid down your life for us. You rescued us in our moment of greatest need. And now you call us to join you in rescuing others, to show them the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you'd help us to do that. Give us a bigger picture 
of what it means to be sons and daughters of the King and to share your love freely as we call people to repentance, as we call them to obedience that is joyful, that is not indignant or angry, but is full of kindness and remembrance of our former selves. Father, we pray that you'd lead us in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, our true older brother, the lover of our souls. We pray this in his name. Amen. So the Christian worship is multifaceted. God loved us, therefore we thank him. God loves us, therefore we praise him. We've been reminded of God's love today, and we pray and we sing, and now we come to the part of our service where we, we give back uh, to Jesus. And the same as not everybody sings the same, or sings the same as loud or as soft as others, not everybody gives as much as everybody else. And that's good. That's okay. As we come and um, pass the plates or the buckets, we realize that